This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. Imagine being an 18-year-old black man in 1980. You're arrested, thrown in jail, and eventually convicted of raping a 15-year-old white girl. You're sentenced to life in prison and spend nearly 40 years behind bars despite evidence that you were not the culprit. Now, back up a little bit. Maybe you get free for about eight months and you're on parole, but get thrown back in jail for a number of reasons. But during that time you were out, you meet a lawyer and a crackerjack investigator that take a look at your case. They work for more than two years to get your freedom. Well, that, my friends, is what happened to Elmer Daniels. Now, Elmer is a Wilmington man who was freed just days ago. So what in the world went wrong such that an innocent man was sent to prison not once but twice? And what did it take to get him out? And why and how did the lawyer and investigator who took the case get involved? With me in the studio is Emeka Egway of the Egway Law Firm here in Philadelphia, as well as Terrence Jones, private investigator who helped bust this case wide open. So, gentlemen, welcome to KYW and to Flashpoint. Thank you. Welcome. Um, thank you for having us here. Thank oh, yeah. You. And so I want to jump right in. First of all, uh, Emeka, you, you, you met this gentleman uh, a few years ago during his brief uh time of being free. Tell me about his case and then why you decided to get involved. So I met Elmer uh, when he was let out after 37 years briefly on parole. Um, I met him at an expungement and pardon clinic where I was a guest speaker. And to hear Elmer say it after he heard me speak, he came up to me and said, you just told my whole life story. And he said I was wrongfully convicted and incarcerated Back in 1980, he has some documents that he had held on to from 1980, and he gave me those documents. And after briefly looking at the documents um, and hearing his story, I told him I would get involved in this case. The story of Elma Daniels is one of injustice. It's also one of vindication because after 39 years of being wrongfully convicted and incarcerated, we were able to prove, along with my investigator Terrence Jones, that Mr. Daniels was in fact in, was in fact innocent. Mr. Daniels' story began back on January 15, 1980, ironically, Martin Luther King Day. At that time, a 15-year-old white female went to a party, left the party with a 15-year-old white male. The 15-year-old white male was intoxicated. They left the party uh, shortly after 5 o'clock and went to some train tracks uh, in Wilmington, Delaware. While other train tracks, their stories differ. According to the 15-year-old white male, he had sexual intercourse with the 15-year-old white female. The white female says, no, uh, we didn't have sexual intercourse. Uh, regardless of whose story you want to believe, while there were the train tracks, they both say a black male who they later identified as my client came up to them. Um, once the black male approached them, the white male ran off and, uh, according to him, to go get help and... Uh, allegedly, my client proceeded to rape the 15-year-old white female. It was a two-and-a-half-minute rape where she suffered no serious injuries, physical injuries, and, and, and had no uh, permanent bruises or, or, or scars. Uh, so after this two-and-a-half-minute rape, the 15-year-old female goes back to the party. When she goes, gets back to the party, she says, I, I was raped. So the police are called, and the police naturally want to speak to the 15-year-old uh, witness who she was with, 
and the 15-year-old witness lied four different times. He gave four completely different stories. And finally, after the fourth time of lying, the police said, unless you tell us who committed this rape, we are going to charge you with this rape. And they proceeded to charge him with hindering prosecution. So once the police charged him with hindering prosecution and threatened to charge him with the rape because he himself was a suspect, that's when, for the first time, he came up with the name Elmer. Uh, He didn't know his last name, but he said, I know it was Elmer because we were in the same eighth grade math class together back in 1978. So he literally pulled this guy's name. He pulled Elmer's name out from memory. He claimed that he was in the same eighth grade math class, and that's he, he recognized Elmer from that class. Mm-hmm. Now, when we got involved uh, due to the investigation of Terrence Jones, we thought it was strange because there was a three-year age difference between my client, my client um, between my client and the key witness. My client was 18 back in 1980. The state's key witness, this 15-year-old white male, was it was 15. Uh, nevertheless, they uh, proceeded to go to trial and have this. 15-year-old white male testify at trial that he was in the same eighth grade math class and uh, how easy it would have been for the prosecutor just to go to the school and pull the transcript, something we did 36 years later when we got involved. We were able to conclusively prove that our client was in the 10th grade back in 1978, not in the eighth grade as testified to by the state's key witness. And so how in the world... I mean, it just sounds like the investigation. So they basically convicted Elmer Daniels on this testimony, the single. What what did they have to convict him? I I wish it was that simple. Uh, The story of Mr. Daniels is one of false testimony, false scientific evidence. Overall, it was just a a railroad of an 18 year old kid who was given a life sentence. Um, And when I say 18, he had just turned 18. It was only 18, 35 days when he was given a life sentence. Um, another key piece of evidence, scientific evidence, the only scientific evidence that uh, allegedly, and I say allegedly because it turned out to be false, implicated Mr. Daniels was was hair evidence. So um, there was a piece of African-American hair, which was allegedly found on the victim's underwear, and there was a Caucasian hair that was found on some pants that were seized from my client's house. There was an FBI agent that the state of Delaware used to look at this case. His name is Michael P. Malone, Special Agent Michael P. Malone. Michael P. Malone went across the whole country testifying that he could make identifications Mm. based upon hair comparison analysis. Mm -hmm. And when he looked at Mr. Daniels' case, he testified to the jury that it was a double match. In fact, he said in all his years of testifying, it's a rare thing if ever to see a double match. And what is a double match? A double match is the hair that was found, the Caucasian hair that was found on Mr. Daniel, the pants in Mr. Daniel's house belonged allegedly to the victim, and the, the African-American hair found on the victim's underwear belonged to Mr. Daniels. Yeah. So it was a double cross match that he testified to the jury. So you can imagine how, how damaging that was to Mr. Daniels. I mean, back then, DNA didn't exist, and back then, hair comparison analysis was equivalent to DNA analysis. And so it's one, it's hard to blame the jury once you hear such devastating evidence that turned out to be false that implicated Mr. Daniels. To this day, you can't tell someone's hair without the benefit of DNA. And as we stated before, DNA didn't exist back in 1980. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, as a side note to folks who may be listening, um, this Malone 
uh, expert was basically discredited on a number of cases across the country. Right. And Mr. Jones is going to go into that because he was Mm -hmm. the one that discovered it was uh, this agent Malone who testified in our case. Uh, But the larger story, even beyond Mr. Daniels, is the thousands of people who have been convicted and sent in jail to this very day, some who have even gone to death row as a result of Agent Malone and the whole FBI forensic lab. You know, there was a task force uh, that the United States Department of Justice uh, convened to look at this uh, testimony of their lab examiners, and they found, I believe it was 26 out of 28, had testified falsely. Now, Agent Malone was a star of the forensic lab, and I say that because he testified three to four times more than any other agents did. And when we got involved in the case uh, and Mr. Jones, Mr. my investigator, Mr. Jones, discovered the false testimony, testimony of uh, Agent Malone, we sent the transcripts of our client's trial to the FBI and requested that they review the transcripts. The FBI, in conjunction with the U.S. DOJ, United States Department of Justice, looked at the transcripts. And in an extraordinary step in my 17 years of practicing law, I've never seen it, they wrote a letter to the Attorney General of Delaware Matthew P. Dan, and stated that in this case, in at least three instances, they admit their agent testified beyond the means of science, a.k.a. he lied. He testified falsely, including the statement that it was a double match. They said that the, 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 the evidence and the science does not exist to, te- to uh, corroborate what Agent Malone testified to the jury. And that was one of the that along with the transcripts are the two reasons that the state of Delaware cited in their motion to dismiss the indictment against Mr. Daniels as their basis for for uh, filing that motion. Wow. And that's that's a big deal. It's so- a it's a big deal. I mean, I, I spoke to a Delaware lawyer who's been practicing 40 years and he says in the history of Delaware, he can't remember ever the state moving uh, to dismiss an indictment against someone uh, who served so much time. Wow, and so what's and so Mr. Mr. Daniels is free now, right? Daniels was free man. The judge signed the order on his birthday, on his fifty seventh birthday, to release him on December twelfth, two thousand eighteen, and Mr. Daniels became a free man the following day on December thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. Wow, and it took all of this, all of this, and so uh, Terrence, tell us about your investigation and how you were able to find out that this. This agent basically uh, had false testimony that was so damning to Mr. Daniels, and then disco- you know, and now you were you were able to to shine a light on that. So at the time uh, that I got contacted by Attorney Emeka Igwe, um, I didn't know him, and I had done for ten years um, independent investigations across the country, and uh, I've done those investigations um, and had a lot of experience. Mm. Um, he asked me to get involved in this case and said that I can charge whatever I want. So what I did was I looked at the uh, 397 pages from, his, from Emma Daniels' trial transcripts, and I cried uh, throughout knowing that he was an innocent man. So through that, I told him um, that I would take the case pro bono. I didn't want any money, and uh, Attorney Igwe uh, said he was also doing it pro bono. So for free, the both of us worked on this case for about two years. And um, it's kind of mind-blowing that you would have a guy like Michael P. Malone who did things that were so egregious. Not only did, did he do, did he testify in thousands of cases across the United States, false testimony to um, 
to things that exceeded the limit of science, him having a master's degree in chemistry. Um, they also said that he testified to um, um, different cases where he didn't even do the exams. So you have a guy that's doing, you know, I believe criminal things. Uh, some of the people that were on death row while the um, DOJ was doing their 10-year investigation into the FBI lab in Washington, D.C., uh, some of those people uh, were, were, were put to death. Oh, my goodness, um, yeah. No one, no one came in and stayed the execution knowing that this investigation was going on. And then uh, they uh, wrote a report that went from 1985 to 1995 and allowed, um, they discredited Michael P. Malone, saying he was the most egregious um, lab examiner at the FBI lab. They allowed him to resign. And then the FBI took the extraordinary measure to rehire him to do background investigations, to pay him a bunch of money to still work. And the Washington Post did a big story Mm. initially and then did another big story, and then they allowed him to resign again. He should have been arrested. He should have been locked up. Um, When you say that that his testimony exceeded the limits of science, it means that you gave false testimony. In this case with Elmer Daniels, um, Attorney General Matt Den went to the extraordinary measure to say that it was flawed testimony. It was on the front page of um, uh, the Delaware News Journal um, to say there was flawed testimony. What, what is that? What is flawed testimony? Flawed testimony is false testimony. Either you're telling the truth or you're lying. So the Attorney General's office uh, with Matt Den, um, it's, it's, it's just, it, so not only that this man, was he innocent and he spent close to 40 years in jail and you violated his rights, you, then Matt Den goes and violates his rights again by, by not saying that he was completely innocent. Um, what attorney uh, Mecca Igwe did was he used a program that Matt Den started four years ago. Matt Den, when he became attorney general in Delaware, he started an actual innocence mm-hmm. program. Uh, my investigation, my research, the actual innocence program was a joke. It was a way to get money from the state uh, to develop a program that you're never going to uh, uh, Had they come ever to let anybody, yeah? They've never let anyone, anyone uh, free out of the over 8,500 prisoners that are in Delaware and over 4,000 um, inmates that have come out of jail that are on probation. No one has ever been found innocent by Attorney General Dent. So, so it's, 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 a, uh, it's a fake program. Uh, with fake investigations, mm-hmm. and uh, no one's ever been let out. We have proven, uh, Attorney um, Emeka Igwe and I have proven that Emma Daniels is actually innocent. And, 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 and there's a, a plethora of information that we have um, to prove his innocence. And so this, at this point, he, well, how did he get out? What was the basis for him getting out? It wasn't because he's, because it was overturned, right? So is, it deemed, is he deemed actually innocent at this point? The state filed a motion to dismiss his indictment. Now, it's important. That means the charges are the charges have retroactively been dis- have, dismissed. In, in layman's terms, the the uh, the sentence the the sentence the charges have been overturned, um, essentially. So, but this was not the result. Your point is this is not the result of the actual innocence program. Attorney Mecca Igwe followed. Yeah, because you program. filed this letter. Right. You 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 you've submitted and and asked. Uh, to go through the program that he started four years ago. 
Attorney General Manchin. And you were not allowed. Th- this program wasn't is not the reason why that Mr. Daniels is free. No, we presented empirical evidence, as uh, Mr. Jones stated. Uh, we presented evidence that showed that he, that Elmer was in fact innocent, uh, including uh, strong alibi witnesses that testified at trial, uh, including uh, descriptions of the assailant by the victim that did not match. Uh, Mr. Daniels. Not to mention the false testimony uh, of this uh, Malone. Right, FBI. Absolutely. And we presented all this evidence to the Attorney General of Delaware. And and the school transcripts. So this was as simple as, um, so there there was a um, a, um, a a assistant um, state attorney general by the name of Bartholomew Dalton, Mm. who still practices law right now, that was prosecuting this case. And this case was as simple as getting the school transcripts, because you see that there's a three-year difference, to get the school transcripts of um, Elmer Daniels. I mean, just to look at him, you would think, you know, you would say, okay, he's 18, he's 15. Right. How are they in the eighth grade at the same time? And the school transcripts clearly showed that I got, it clearly showed that Elmer Daniels was in 10th grade at Wilmington High School when when the witness was in eighth grade at Byard Middle School. They weren't even in the same school. And they also had a teacher testify. Um, teacher by the name of Charlie Cross, I'll say his name. Uh, so it who, could have been anybody. Who testified yeah. to say that they were in the same eighth grade math class. So the teacher lied also. So, Mr. So you had to, so the actual, you applied to this actual innocence program, and this was not the way, that, but you had to go around this program in order to get Mr. Daniels' freedom. Correct. Uh, the state to this day won't acknowledge the fact that Mr. Daniels is, in fact, innocent despite all the evidence that we've presented to them. And part of us uh, doing these interviews and having Mr. Daniels speak is to prove the fact that Mr. Daniels is, in fact, innocent. The state didn't file the motion out of benevolence, out of, of uh, looking into the case and realizing, you know, that they did anything wrong. They're trying to deny that. And the fact of the matter is Mr. Daniels is, in fact, innocent. He was wrongfully convicted and incarcerated for 39 years. And despite empirical evidence that we presented to them, uh, they refuse uh, to acknowledge the fact that he's innocent. And so, at this point, what do you what is what do you all want to see happen for Mr. Daniels? Well, the world will hear from Mr. Daniels, and Mr. Daniels wants to be an advocate for criminal justice reform. And we need criminal justice reform because Mr. Daniels is a poster child of what's wrong with the criminal justice system. At the age of eighteen, he was given a life sentence. After being given a life sentence. Despite his numerous requests, he was denied appellate counsel. And the state of Delaware forced the 18-year-old kid with a 10th grade education to file motions on his own without the aid of counsel. And despite his best attempts, he filed numerous motions. The court summarily summarily dismissed all his motions, as you can imagine what happened. So how can you have an 18-year-old man facing a life sentence and not have an appellate counsel. So one of the reforms we are pushing for is appellate counsel should be appointed to anyone facing a life sentence. Really and truly, any felony over 10 years should be, should be entitled to appellate counsel. Another thing the state of Delaware did in Mr. Daniels' case is destroy all the evidence. At some point, there existed all kinds of forensic evidence, hair, semen, blood, fingerprints, and the state of Delaware destroyed all of that evidence, given Mr. Daniels no opportunity to conclusively prove scientifically if that he's innocent. 
and they destroyed it. Is that it. unusual? It's very unusual. So they destroyed it at a time when he was still filing appeals. He was filing appeals on his own, and they destroyed all the evidence. Uh, so one of the things we're asking for is an evidence preservation law. Anyone who is charged in Delaware with a Class A felony, which is the most serious felony that you have, should be the evidence should be preserved on that case to give people opportunities um, to prove their innocence scientifically. You hear cases all the time from the 60s and 70s. People are proven innocent. Uh, in fact, the actual innocent uh, project, I mean, the innocent project by Barry Sheck, they looked into Mr. Daniels' case. And because there was no DNA evidence, they won't get involved. And we've been inspired by Mr. Daniel's case to start our own nonprofit cases, uh, nonprofit organization, to look at cases where DNA may not exist. So uh, a, a, an organization like the Innocent Project can't help you. Well, we will look at all cases where anyone uh, is innocent and we do an investigation. It's going to be called Absolute Justice, and we've been inspired by Mr. Daniel's case to start that organization. Wow. And it's it's um it's just so I mean, I people can't really wrap their heads around this. I do not I think sexual assault is wrong. But to me, this even the sentencing of yes. this seems a little egregious. And during 1980, uh, I, I researched cases where um, people have committed murder and got sentenced to 20 years. Uh, it just seemed like it was it was a lot going on here um, that raised some red flags. Right. And you can have two scales of justice. So I say this as a former prosecutor. Uh, as you stated, rape is horrible. And if you're going to give life sentence to everyone who commits rape, all right, so be it. But you can't selectively decide to give certain individuals certain sentences. You hear cases all the time where people who commit rape get probation, get two years, five years. But in the case of Mr. Daniels, you give him a life sentence. And the question is why? And you can't really understand the reality of Mr. Daniels' case unless you understand the racial dynamics involved. 1980 Delaware, race relations were, uh, very, it was very divided, and it was uh, different than it was currently. Back in 1980, uh, the reality is Mr. Daniels, an African-American male, was railroaded by the state. The victim in the case was a 15-year-old white female. The state's key witness who lied multiple times was a 15-year-old white male. He was defended inadequately by a white attorney. He was prosecuted by a white prosecutor. He was given a life sentence by a white judge, and he was convicted by an all-white jury. So the reality is race played a big factor in, in this case, and uh, my hope is to address these issues so that they no longer plague us uh, currently, and we can help free those who have been wrongfully convicted and incarcerated. Yeah, and this it sounds like this, this uh, expert was also a white uh, yes, FBI agent yes. who who um who has been discredited um you know with all these other cases I'm sure there are multiple 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 defendants yes. uh, impacted by this uh this 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 um non scientific testimony and he gets to, being to nice. get a pension and and get to live in Florida yeah and so next steps so Mr Daniels is going to speak uh. Uh, out. Uh, you all were there when he was released from prison. What was that like? I'll go first. Um, it was the most surreal and greatest feeling I've had in my 17 years of practicing law. Um, I often tell people I believe me and Mr. Daniels were meant to meet. Our destinies were meant to cross. He was convicted in May of 1980. I was born in August 1980. And I believe part of my life mission was to come and get justice for Mr. Daniels. 
uh, together with the work that Terrence Jones, we've been able to get him justice. So seeing him after working on the case for two years, over two and a half years, and seeing him actually released was uh, the yeah. most surreal and incredible feeling. Uh, and just hearing him say thank you, mm. you know, thank you, uh, even though we haven't rece- received a dime on this case, here his thank you was worth any more than any money that we could possibly get on this case. And so you've been, he's been in prison longer than you've been alive. Yeah, he's been in, in prison uh, for 39 years, uh, longer than I've been alive, as he stated. And may I say, uh, the state of Delaware released Mr. Daniels on a cold winter day with only a T-shirt. They gave him no apology. They gave him no resources. As you can imagine, after being in jail for 39 years, you have a need for basic necessities. You, need, you have a need for housing. You have a need for clothing. You have a need for an ID. You have a need for insurance. You need. You have a need for mental health services, physical services. He has diabetes. They gave him less than a week supply of of his diabetes medicine. So uh, Delaware needs uh, a comp- uh, a wrongful compensation law. Delaware is one of seventeen states where there is no compensation for those who are wrongfully convicted. So part of our mission is to lobby the state legislature and state that, that you need a wrongful compensation law for those who have been wrongfully convicted. Wow. And I, and I tell you, um, I just, it teared me, it teared, I got teared up a little bit. So I assume, I mean, I know that in Philadelphia we have had success with wrongful conviction lawsuits in the sense that they've settled. And in a case where the uh, prosecution, I mean, basically dismisses the, <laughs> the indictment, it would seem to me that's almost an admission of guilt of some sort. One thing we agree with the state of Delaware is that Michael P. Malone testified falsely. Um, they admit as much in their motion to dismiss the indictment. Uh, so that creates liability, obviously, for, for the FBI. Um, so we're hoping to hold Michael P. Malone accountable. And we're hoping that the FBI, in conjunction with the U.S. Department of Justice, uh, swiftly compensate Mr. Daniels. The reality is they can never give him back. 39 years of his life. They can never give him back all the memories. They can never give him back all the relationships that have been broken as a result of the wrongful conviction. So even though there's nothing they can do to bring it back, the least they can do is first an apology, an acknowledgement that they did something wrong, and then second of all, try to compensate as best as they, as they can uh, Mr. Daniels for the, for the years, years and decades that he's lost of his life. And I just want to point out, you sent me some information when we talked about this a while back, and, and it was actually evidence. People were, you know, ringing the alarm months within weeks of him being in, in incarcerated. You know, the psychologist, people who had interviewed him said, look, man, it doesn't seem, this doesn't seem right. So this isn't something that wasn't brought to to folks' attention early on, and, and it just seemed like Folks just kind of turned a blind eye to what was happening here. So you mentioned the uh, court-appointed psychiatrist, yeah. uh, Dr. Buckley. Mm-hmm. He examined Mr. Daniels at the court's behest, and after examining Mr. Daniels, he did the extraordinary step, and he said he said he, he, does, he tries not to play detective on his cases, but he wrote a letter to the judge and cc'd uh, the prosecutor, Bartholomew Dalton, and CC'd Mr. Daniels' trial attorney, uh, Edward Pankowski, and he stated that he had doubts that Mr. Daniels was, in fact, 
the assailant of the, the victim. And the reason he believed Mr. Daniels was innocent was because he didn't fit the description um, of the assailant. Uh, the, vict- the victim stated the assailant had uh, been in fingernails all the way to the cuticles, and he was prepared to testify that Mr. Daniels had well-manicured nails that haven't been habitually bitten. He stated that physically Mr. Daniels didn't fit the description. He said yeah. you know, the assailant had a broad nose and Mr. Daniels had a narrow nose. So he pointed out different things in the physical description of the assailant by the victim that didn't match Mr. Daniels. And despite all these, as you said, red flags yeah. and alarms that were being sounded, they proceeded to railroad this 18-year-old and give him a life sentence. That is wild. So I look forward to meeting Mr. Daniels in person. Um, gentlemen, is there anything else you want to add? Um, I know absolute justice, have you, has it been founded? It's already ex- in existence at this point? It is in existence. We're going to announce uh, the official launch of the press conference scheduled for 11 o'clock tomorrow. I just want to thank you, Jerry, mm-hmm. for just getting this news out there. Um, as the Washington Post says, democracy dies in darkness, and we need to sh- shine a light on the injustice that's going on in the criminal justice system. Mr. Daniels himself is the perfect advocate for reform that's much needed because uh, while it's a vindication for Mr. Daniels, there are many other people in jail who need to have their voices heard and justice done on their cases. Yeah. Thank you for this platform. Yeah, I appreciate both of you coming in. Uh, Emeka Igwe and Terrence Jones, lawyer, investigator. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. You can find us on the Radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast flat, uh, platform. All you got to do is search Flashpoint KYW. If there's something in your community that has you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. Mine is Cherry Greg. And thank you because you're a part of the Flashpoint fam. So we really appreciate you listening and subscribing to our podcast. We work really hard and we really, really care about the community. So until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Thanks for listening.